0: It's Tiffle Waffle Time. Yay! Welcome to Tiffle Waffle with Troy and Steve. Okay, all right. So today we're going to waffle about something that happened to me this week which I find personally I find interesting and we'll see if Steve does or not. All right. So, uh, I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for ever. I think it's getting to about 20 years now. And I, one of the places that I teach is a place that i love to teach at. They only run short intensive courses. That's fun for me. You get to put in lots of energy and, and vim and verve. And, and then walk away. And then walk away. <laughs> but as you're starting to get a bit burnt out or a bit tired, well, the course is over. Um, that's great. Uh, that means that I get to you know, introduce all my best of things that I really know work. And do them with my classes. Uh, the administration in that school is pretty good in that they leave you alone. It's here's your schedule and here's the book that we're using and here are your units. And and they're not even too heavy on housekeeping. You submit your lesson plans and things, but it's just for their, for their folder. It's not something that they're really perusing. Which of course tells you the huge downside at the same time they completely leave you alone.
1: Well, that sounds like a huge advantage. You've got creative license.
0: Yeah, huge creative license. And uh, not only that, but it's uh, the... More than anything, you're judged by the students, not anyone else. I've been observed a couple of times since I've been there. And I've been there for eight years. And I've only actually been officially observed twice in that eight years, and of those two times, only once have I seen any feedback, and that feedback was a paper summary of just bullet points, which I assume came from some sort of student survey. Okay, so, sure, I get lots of creative license. It's up to the students to decide if they are happy or not.
1: Now, is there an end-of-course test or something? Because that
0: should be some sort of judge. Yep. The students take exams. Um, the exams are from a lot of different places, depending on which course I'm teaching. Um, sometimes they're at, at exam called Adphelps, which is a, a specialised version of, of IELTS. Um, sometimes they're pure book tests that come from publishers.
1: So as long as your students are doing well in those tests, you're left alone?
0: Yeah, presumably. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, And that's all great, and my students are always very happy with me. I do get very high ratings from them. Because you're awesome. Yeah, because I'm awesome. But. Yeah, the but. I'm waiting for the but. The but. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that one time that I did get some paper-based feedback, there was only one score that wasn't perfect or near perfect. And that's not to say that I'm perfect. It's simply to say that there are about 10 teachers there, and a lot of the other teachers are not Perfect.
1: And you exceeded the expectations.
0: I think it might be a comparative thing. Okay. Okay, so Troy's fantastic. We love Troy, but it's not uh, Troy's the best teacher in the world. Troy's, Troy's the best teacher we have. Okay. Actually, no, th- no, there are there are at least two other teachers there who I'm pretty sure got high I can't ratings. wait for this but. The but. Okay, so I was chatting to the woman who is the course coordinator for the current course and she said to me oh and it was a complete aside it was an oh um uh make sure you make sure you cover the material in the book and I went oh okay sure and to be honest I did take it as as a kind of a yeah whatever really I didn't was this the score that you
1: weren't scored high for
0: um, no, the score that I was not scored high for was time management, which I actually agree with. Uh, I I do think that's a fault of mine where I spend a lot of my time on making weird background noises. I spend a lot of my time on, on making sure that students are using a lot of English and that they're you know they're motivated, involved, and in participating and, and etc. And sometimes I could cram, I could cram more into the time that I'm given. Uh, I'm happy to spend two hours on something if the students need the two hours rather than, okay, we've covered that topic now, let's move let's on. Let's move
1: on, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I don't do
0: that. Okay, the feedback, what she said about the book, though, I went, oh, okay. And so we were chatting a bit and she said, yeah, the students last time said, and this is from just one course only, the students said that uh, sometime what's on the exam is not what's covered during the class. And I was quite surprised by that, actually, Um, because I I go out of my way to look at the book, analyse what topics are going to be covered, and even to some extent, I go further sometimes where I say, hey, can I look at the test? Because I want to make sure that I'm covering what's going to be on the exam. And I make sure that I cover it. What I don't always do, though, is open the book. There are... Yesterday, I taught for four hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. Now, two different groups there. In the afternoon, at the end of the day, I said... Oh, and by the way, that was the material from page uh, 20 and 21. So, have a look at it. We've covered it, guys. But I didn't open the book. And I'm pretty sure I only said that because of the feedback that I was just given two days before, which was some of the students said that you don't always cover what's in the book right, this is a very long-winded way of getting to the point of I'm given autonomy and as long as the students are happy I can do what I like and as part of that autonomy I can uh, play around and experiment and sometimes choose not to cover the book and I'm kind of wondering if uh the autonomy, in a way, makes you lazy.
1: I don't think... Well, I, don't, I don't feel that uh, autonomy and, well, creativity, allowing a teacher autonomy in the classroom is going to make them lazy. If anything, it's going to make them bewildered because a, a teacher, in my experience, a teacher who doesn't get given a, a specific topic or hasn't get been given a book normally has the, the big problem of, what do I do? Um... And it's quite rare that a teacher can take that emptiness of, of autonomy and make something interesting out of it. Um, I know I can't. I, I like a framework. I like having a specific goal. Um, I, I wouldn't see this as laziness. I think that what you... What, there's two things that I see here. One is there's a mismatch between what you're doing and what the students are expecting you to do.
0: Sure, absolutely, yeah.
1: They're, they've they been given a book, they want the book to be used, you're not using the book, even though you're covering the topics, they're not seeing the book used, and they're interpreting that as the teacher's doing lots of fun stuff, but we're not actually doing any work.
0: Yeah, that, that absolutely could be the case, where their perception is, well, what did you do with Troy today? We played lots of games, uh, now, admittedly, I, I like very active classrooms, where they Again, you could argue that they are games. Uh, I don't really like the word. Well, personally, I'm okay with the word game, but I know a lot of people. Communication don't lo- activity. Yes, they, I do lots of communication activity. I've
1: just read a paper by a guy called, I think it's a guy, uh, Joachim Appel, A double P E L, not Appel. Appel.
0: Okay. And J Appel. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. Um. And he's he talks about the um the constraints that a teacher works under in a language classroom. And he lists four constraints, five constraints. First is low degree of volunteerism in the classroom. Students don't volunteer usually to come into a language classroom. Okay. Um, And that causes a whole bunch of constraints on us. The second one he talks about is the fact that we group students together, but language learning is a very individual event. And so you've got this group versus the individual constraint. And the third one he talks about is uncertainty. We work in a very uncertain environment, and we have very few, very few guidelines. Um, and of course, the book provides the guideline. And the last one is there is the, um, the, constraints imposed upon us by the course book.
0: Okay, no, slightly contradictory, but okay.
1: Okay, the the course book <coughs> uh, is a constraint because. If it's given to us, we have to use it. And if it's given to us and we use it, it's used as an evaluation tool. And therefore, we have washback. Now, washback is, is where the test decides what it is that we're going to be teaching. Yeah. And it also decides what the students are going to take seriously. Yeah. So if there's no speaking in the final evaluation, then speaking is not considered to be of any value in the course itself. Um, and what happens in a lot of schools here is, is the final test is a, a written, written test. So therefore only write, writing counts as language learning. Um, yeah, fair enough. So you might you might also be suffering from a washback issue where the students are thinking there's a test ahead. What do I need for the test? What should the teacher be giving me for that test? Um, wouldn't it be nice if... Teacher Troy gave us some of the stuff that we needed for the test, even though you, even though you are,
0: they're not seeing
1: it. Is that possible?
0: It's absolutely possible that uh, that's the issue. Uh, a bit of the dilemma for me is I've had the exact opposite feedback from individual students, uh, admittedly more advanced students, but I've had uh, at the same place students who've said to me, Well, it's amazing how uh, when when we're studying we don't use the book." But when I get to the test, I know it. I've had that as feedback directly well, from a student, and yeah, I've, that's some of the best that's feedback awesome. I've had in my. I mean, the fact that that was that was a few years ago, and I still remember who the student was who said that to me, and the other students around him going, "Yeah, yeah, it's great. Wow, it's amazing."
1: Can I can I go back to your original question? <clears throat> your question was, "Does autonomy in the classroom make the teacher lazy?" Can you explain yeah. what you meant by
0: lazy? Uh, the the fact is that I can look at a topic. I, I've got it's not that I'm a genius and I can immediately make up something amazing for the students it's that I've got a lot of experience and I've made a- plenty of mistakes but the flip side is I've done a lot of things where I've worked out this ac- type of activity really works or this game works or this type of interaction or etc and so I'm quite often default to um, for example, uh, the topic yesterday was a very basic topic. Oh, it was um, third person singular wh present simple questions. Really basic topic, right? Nice and easy. And I've got a a game that I've used for many different topics, and I just adapted it for this.
1: So, by lazy, point. you mean I'm recycling the same activities because I know they work, rather than
0: trying out new things. I. Uh, yeah, or maybe rather than looking at the book, sitting down and looking at the book and analysing, going, what can I do with this material? I'd rather look at the book and go, okay, what are the language points that are going to be covered? Close the book. All right. What I know a game for this. <laughs> not just I know a game. I know uh, sometimes it's a speaking task and sometimes it's a writing and sometimes it's an interview and sometimes you know it's not.
1: But I. But how? How? Where does the laziness come in here? Uh...
0: Yeah, well, I don't look, see I, this as lazy. I already know how to do a game for this. That, oh. That'll do. <laughs> that'll work.
1: Okay. Uh, relying on a, on, a set of, uh, on a set of repertoires that work well. Yeah. That's what you mean, huh? Rather than
0: analyzing each book and, oh. and designing, tailoring my lesson to the book. Okay. I'm rather just looking at the topics in the book. And going, okay, I can cover
1: that. I mean, uh, to me, that sounds ideal. Uh, That sounds like an ideal. Most of us are looking at the book and going, my God, how can I make this work? Uh, And then twisting the book around your little finger to make it fit your teaching scenario. I'm actually constantly amazed in my own classrooms. I'm constantly amazed when something does work. Um, I have so many activities that haven't worked in some classes. Um, I'll give you an example. The other day, I was teaching have something done. Okay. And um, I came across an idea of writing a sentence, a really complicated sentence, which was something along the lines of, "Listen, Mom, if I, if if you let me have my hair done the way I want it, I'll let you, ha- I'll let it, I'll let you have it done by your barber or something like that. Okay. I love my hairdresser. Really complex sentence, and then cut the whole sentence up into strips." and into little word cards and then give it to the students and let them figure out what the sentence is okay and i've done this before and it, <clears throat> I, I've, I don't see this as an ex, ex, as an activity that's particularly effective i've right. never found it to be very effective why the, the students are always just my memory of this activity in the past is the students do it listlessly and there's not a lot of communication that comes out of it and, okay. um it's it's too difficult, and so um,
0: it's not effective. On the Steve doesn't like it because the the students don't seem to be the students enjoying don't it. seem
1: to be enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a fun way. From of a
0: language perspective, does it work?
1: From a pedagogical perspective, I'd, I'd rather try and elicit the language rather than okay. get the students to, to pour it out. Anyway, so I put all the word cards on the on the floor. The students came and sat down and started doing it, and they immediately started grouping words up that fitted together. It was a great collocation thing. Watching the students do it. And one of the students sat on the side picking his nose, and another student just watched what was going on. And, and I just interpreted this as, uh, it's not working again. So about ten minutes in, I started giving clues and, and hurried it along and gave them the answer. And the students said, let's do another one, um, oh. which completely surprised me because I didn't think they were enjoying it at all. I thought that they were just... Uh, but they were, and they did. And they wanted another one, but of course I didn't have another one to, to give them. So I just said, no, let's move on. <laughs> and it did actually surprise me that it, they enjoyed it. So I, unlike <clears throat> you, I don't have a set set of uh, activities that I, I refer back to. I keep having to create things specific to the class that I'm teaching. And
0: um, I, Partly that's my question, is the basically look i i get because they're intensive programs i get away a lot with playing my greatest hits they've never seen them before and so they're new and shiny and amazing to them and by the time they start to become a little bit you know, we know we've done that before i mean by the time i get to the end of their most of their courses they've only done most of my like my best warmers for example i've done each of them <laughs> three times
1: okay is this where the laziness thing comes in
0: yeah, I, I just I rarely try out a new thing with them. I, I try it out with my other classes.
1: Can I can I tell you uh, the opposite side of the problem that you've got here? Because you're only teaching students for a short time, and you're using your best activities with them. The challenge that you're actually facing, which you don't realize, is you're not giving you're not giving yourself an opportunity to train them to become language students in the way that you want. When you've got students for a long time. Um, there are certain things that you'd like students to do and they don't do them initially because they're not used to them. Yeah, um, And slowly and surely you can train them to yes. become peer workers or interested yeah. in, in speaking activities and, or... Yeah. You know, um, and so longer courses mean that you can actually get the students to start running the whole course for you once they, once you've trained
0: that, them. That is true. My, my longest course that I teach there runs from uh, mid-January to mid-May, so it's five months, but it's minus, there's about two weeks of holidays here that d- cut that down, so it's about four and a half months. And at about the three-month mark, uh, two different things are happening. Um, the students are way better at doing all the stuff that I want them to do. It's... It's so simple to get to explain something and, and get them started. Yeah, you just need a keyword. Uh, they spend a lot longer on the task. They right. get a lot more into them. They don't get to a point where they go, well, we're done. They, they keep on going and it's up to me to cut them off. And I start to get a bit bored. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, um, I do know how to do this now. I, I can just kind of hang out in the classroom and go, all right, good. Now we're on to this thing. Remember how to do this thing? Let's do that thing. Mm.
1: <clears throat> so interesting then. You're obviously talking about professional adults.
0: Yeah. Um, I am. Yes.
1: I think as we work down the age groups into the teens and, and primary school, you probably find that the, an opposite thing happens. Students take a longer time to warm up to the student to, to teacher. The teacher. And the longer you've got a class, um, the more the training issue comes into effect and the better results you get. With kindergarten classes, for example, building up your routines with the children takes a long time. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you've got your routines established, the classes tick along with with almost
0: effortless ease. Well, the same thing is happening. I mean, it's, it's happening quite quickly, uh, but the same thing is happening. They get used to me and my style and, and what I expect from them and, and the do's and don'ts, uh, of which I don't have many do's and don'ts, mainly just, hey, use English, please.
1: But um, the the boredom thing that you're feeling,
0: they might feel the same
1: thing as adults. They also might have had enough now of the class and. Oh sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah. the the motivation. I, you, you can very much see their motivation. Starting to lag. And, yeah, in in little in little ways initially, like uh, taking a few extra minutes for a break uh, and <laughs> things like you know that that breaks. Now, like obviously, you're teaching
1: then. in an environment where the students are kind of required to be in the class because. In a in a volunteer environment, adults just stop coming. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you have a nutrition problem because you start off with twelve students and then you've got ten and by the end of the course there's that one student who just loves talking to you because he doesn't have a friend or something. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> and the six people who just come because that's what they do, it's become routine or, or what have you. Now this the whole my whole premise of this uh, about the laziness thing it's I'm not really scared that I'm lazy. I, I like my classes and I like my, my students. but I do notice that um, I've got to put in quite a bit of effort to notice if I'm making a mistake and the the staff room environment isn't fantastic. There. there's often only one other person teaching at the same time sometimes nobody but often only one and there might be another teacher dropping by because they're preparing for their next class but it's very much up to me to go oh, am I doing this wrong so because I was in this mindset uh, from a couple of days ago when that teacher gave the feedback what happened yesterday in class was I was teaching as I said it was very easy topics and uh, to another group in the morning it was uh, it was just present simple first and second person it was just yes or no questions it was very basic and very easy no like es verb endings or any of that and i spent a lot of time doing something which uh, if i could step back and see somebody else do it i would go why are you focusing so much on the accuracy side of things and i did spend quite a bit of time on that Um, a lot of collocation stuff, so showing students that, uh, no, listen as a verb can't be used independently. You can't say, I listen music, it has to be listened to music, and, and other things like, you can't say, uh, uh, walk, you can't say what you walk, you can't say I walk the park, Uh, you know, little things, accuracy-based, things like that. And I spent time on that first. I decided that I was going to change around my lesson a bit. First, got the language out of them, the meaning of the words, then focus very much on the accuracy. And then, fine, I've got it all together. Now let's put this together and actually use present simple properly. And I went, great, so I've got a cool game for this. And I started the game and I said, okay, so, um, do you watch TV? I want you to just raise your hand if you watch TV. And uh, of course, everyone watches TV. And uh, some of the students were just sitting there looking very confused. And I heard the student say to another student in thai but the tv is in the corner and it's turned off and i'm in class
1: no yeah, they were confusing it with are you watching
0: yeah so i that is um, a, a is mistake that? i think that's a mistake i'd focus very much on the meaning you of the words and the accuracy it. i hadn't contextualized the meaning of the sentence uh, I was just going in cold and going, all right, good. Now that we know what it all, what all the words mean and how to use them correctly, let's use them. But I hadn't shown them what the sentence structure meant. i had not done the meaning of the words. And I caught it straight away. I, I was quite lucky. I caught it, that one, and then the next sentence again. And I went, oh, wait. And, and I stopped and I reset. But what I did when I reset was I just did it the way that I would normally do it in a just a generic English class stopped and I went alright this is my my mate Bob and what's that oh it's a guitar and what's that oh it's a big office building and do you think he plays guitar at work no he doesn't when does he play guitar oh it's in his free time and then I got the sentence um, I my name is Bob I play guitar in my free time I watch TV I I, I got a, I don't watch TV I got a positive and a negative and, a, and a what have you from and it was great it worked simple but I had definitely made a mistake there.
1: And you caught the mistake by watching the students' reactions.
0: Yeah, as soon as I put it into a sentence, I saw. Oh no, they they don't. They don't get what it means at a sentence level, only at a word level.
1: There's there's a concept which was introduced by a guy called Kuhn, I can't remember his first name, in 1972 by closure management. He wrote a
0: <laughs> You can remember the year, but not his name. Yeah, uh,
1: He wrote a paper. One of the, one of the few very interesting papers on closure management, actually. And he introduced a, a term called withitness. Uh, yes. Um, and withitness basically is um, a measure, his measure, of whether a teacher can uh, keep track of what's going on in the classroom. You know how some teachers, when you're a kid, you can pull a tongue behind their back and they kind of know. Yeah. That's that's a withitness. And then there are some teachers who can look at a class and only see one student and, and just sort of ignore the rest. That's that's a lack of withitness. Um, and the ability your ability to identify that the students have not picked up on the meaning and they were focusing and, and that you'd focused on the form um, is an indication of your witheredness, your connection with the students and your ability to pick up on, on their uh, comprehension and understanding of the lesson. And
0: okay, if I was sitting down and, and planning this lesson, lesson would have been okay create some context for when the link when where why the language is used elicit some sentences out of this you maybe elicit the words first and then put the words into a sentence yeah but
1: but as a as an experienced teacher playing around with your lesson paradigm and saying well i'm going to do this first because it seems more important to me um yeah you run a risk of course and that's part of the uncertainty principle whatever i do there's going to be a problem. But. as an inexperienced teacher, yes, you're going to follow that pattern really strictly because that's what you've been taught and that is, you know is going to work really well. It's the
0: thing. That pattern would have been, in a way, that would have been much better for the students. It would have been boring for you, though, because you've done it 650,000 <laughs> times. It, it may have been, but look, I... I'm sure it was partly the fact that I had in the back of my mind this whole issue about tests. Oh, we don't probably cover what's on the test. And so I was doing a big, okay, we're going to make sure you can do it correctly on your test and not make a mistake. And I'm sure that was part of what So led the feedback me was So
1: the feedback was driving your lesson?
0: Uh, yeah, partly. Mm. And I'm sure partly it was also, though, a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but definitely a little bit of that, that... I'm sure the students know that's part of it. I'm going to focus on this part they don't know and, and they're all going to learn and go, ooh, thank you, we learned something. You know, me choosing to teach them the thing that I think they don't know rather than just going, oh, I'm sure they know that instead of checking if they know it first. Yeah,
1: yeah I, 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 when we're teaching a lesson, we're faced with all sorts of decisions. Yeah. It's, it's a constant decision-making process. Should I focus more on accuracy or communication? Shall I follow the book or shall I do my own thing? Shall I... Uh, make their students speak or shall i keep them in their desks and make sure that they do lots of work shall i listen to the course director or shall i please the students
0: and do what they like um, or shall i please myself and do what i think is fun interesting exciting difference novel uh, and i do experiment and i would say that
1: that's probably the way to do it because if you're enjoying the lesson the students are probably going to be enjoying it too yeah you, i
0: take that as a strong indicator yeah
1: and uh, if you're creating newness and interest um then the students are probably going to appreciate that.
0: I want to introduce another term um, here. Withitness, I know the term withitness. I really dislike the term, and I really like. I the love le- it. I don't. the The word just seems so wrong, and yet <laughs> the concept of it is so perfect. And unfortunately, after trying to look it up, that is the correct term for it. So okay. All right. The, the
1: other term I want to introduce is a repertoire. So, t- an experienced teacher has a, a repertoire. Which works, which fits their personality and their teaching style, um, which is in which aligns with their long-term goals to develop students. Whatever your long-term goals are, and that repertoire fits. Um, And trying to this is the problem why trying to take somebody else's lesson plan and teach it doesn't work because each teacher has their own repertoire. Whenever I take one of your lesson plans and try and teach it, it's a disaster because I I don't understand anything that you write on. <laughs> um, and what you're actually talking about here with yourself is your repertoire of activities that works well in that environment. And the fact that you've got a strong repertoire, actually, I think, is, is um, an asset. It's definitely an
0: asset, and it makes it very easy for me to teach. It does. It makes it easy. And for beginner teachers... The goal then is to, to
1: establish a repertoire that works for them rather than just following a strict paradigm. Um, first I've got to do this and then I've got to do that because that might not work for their particular personal goals or their personality.
0: Okay, all right. So uh, the, I think the, there isn't a conclusion to this because this is something that has come up in my teaching career. Well, for my whole teaching career. Constantly going back to the whole... Uh, should I be sticking to the book or should I be not... Uh, should I be pleasing the, the students or the administration or the student or myself? Or being yeah,
1: consistent with the test.
0: Or? It's not something that's ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a, a quite a strange personal outcome out of this whole thing. The fact that this happened this week when I am 20 years into teaching... I think actually does bode well for me as a teacher. The fact that it still comes up. Because I could very easily just go, yeah, whatever. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this forever. The students like me. I, I get good reports. Yeah, that would, that
1: would mean the end of you as a teacher if you had that attitude. As far as I'm concerned. Te- as
0: far as you're concerned. Yeah. But not as far as uh, a lot of well, just the whole institution of education in general. Let's a lot of teachers get away with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna use this PowerPoint slide that I've been using for the last ten years. Yeah. Because I've used it, I prepared it.
1: I've seen this that. with
0: people with PhDs. Don't tell me what to do. I already
1: know what I'm doing. Got a PhD, and that, to me, that is the reason why I think a lot of PhD holders don't teach very well, because they've lost, they've lost their connection with the vicissitudes of of student <laughs> classrooms and.
0: <laughs> vicissitudes, really. <laughs>
1: I couldn't think of another word at the time. Uh, randomness. Okay. The, yeah, I mean the thing is that every classroom is so different, and saying, "Oh, I know, I know this, I got it," um, and not being sensitive to the mistakes that might come up means that you lose you lose that personal connection, and teaching then stops working.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, look, I don't enjoy the self the self doubt that that happens. Yeah. Which and um. But at the same time, I hope it does keep happening for as long as possible. but it just keeps on coming up again and again, where I go, "Oh, really? <gasps> Did I do that wrong? Maybe I should." In fact, one of the best comments I've ever had from uh, from a fellow colleague who might be sitting opposite me was, yeah, "Yeah, I'm sure if you taught that class, they'd learn lots of English and have a great time, but they might not. Uh, they might not get through the book. Mm. Yeah,
1: which, which is which is quite accurate, yeah. possibly."
0: Uh, Yeah, it was after (laughs) I covered a class for you somewhere. You said, can you cover a class there? And I went, sure, whatever. And I came back and said, "Uh, we didn't get to the book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so in our next podcast or in a future podcast, let's talk about reflection because that fits nicely with our our topic today.
0: Sure. I I don't know how we go about reflecting on reflection, but yeah, we'll we'll have a shot at that. Right, thanks for listening, guys. All right, thanks. And uh, vicissitude is a real word, according to Google. <laughs> Techfall right. Waffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop Waffles. Tor and Steve, for any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email techfallwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.techfallwaffle.com.